The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at First, first listen. listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's been another busy news week, and we like to review the major stories of the week here on the Black Information Network. Today, we are joined by Black Information Network news anchors Natasha Williams and Ray Harris to discuss this week's major stories. This is the Black Information Network Daily Podcast, and I'm your host, Ramses Ja. All right, Natasha and Ray, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Doing great. How are you? I'm, I'm doing great, Natasha. So I like am good. Your world. Hey, I'm good as well. It's always good to be here. Okay, all right. Well, let's get to the news. Crazy week. Uh, so let's start off with the IRS. Um, some financial news. A recent CBS report revealed that the IRS has openly admitted to auditing black taxpayers at a higher rate than other Americans. Natasha, you cover financial news for the Black Information Network. Let's get your take on this story and then Ray will follow up with you. Well, I have to say I did not find the the news to be all that surprising. Um, <laughs> it kind of uh, basically goes in line with what we've been seeing for decades now. Um sure. A system of what appears to be systemic racism that has seeped into every aspect of the black experience. And this would be no other. I mean, we are often those who are the least paid, uh, the least appreciated, and obviously now the most audited, you know, even with our smaller businesses, even with our uh, lower incomes. For some reason, we uh, rise to the top of where everyone needs to uh, examine our earnings. Mm-hmm. Ray, your your thoughts on on this headline here? Well, people of color make up fourteen percent of this nation's population. Black people, correct. And I am I am not surprised uh, with the IRS. Not surprised at all. Uh, we read about businesses, especially black businesses, being scrutinized. Uh, we recently had government officials themselves, one down here in Florida, who was taken to court by the feds because he, you know, he's, they said that he cheated the IRS and the federal government. Um, but Andrew Gillum came out scot-free after wasting taxpayers' money after he was dragged into court 
by the government. So it's not surprising um, and it's unfortunate, but it's part of the fabric in the country that we live in. You know, something else that's funny about this is that I was working on a piece that I'm sure I will flesh out more fully uh, on, on Civic Cipher, my radio show. And uh, I was talking about this very thing, um, not necessarily audits with respect to black people, but taxes and how taxes are kind of levied against black people disproportionately and, and that white folks are able to take more advantage of um, tax breaks, so forth. And so when you look at the IRS as a whole, this certainly helps make a case for uh, a popular uh, trope motif that I found on a lot of um, social media platforms. And that's that everything is racist, everything, even the most mundane, innocuous things that you would walk right past. In fact, I was talking about uh, recently about how no trespassing signs are racist because they or originated during the black codes because the Southerners wanted black people to continue to work for them. And so to prevent foraging and just going out and picking fruit, you know, they, they forced the hand. So either you're trespassing and you can be arrested or you don't trespass and you can't forage for food. And either way, you end up in the system or working for white people again. So everything is racist. And indeed, this is too. So watch what I'm going to show you. Just some, some notes that I got so far. Um, this uh, racism and this disproportionate benefit uh, to white people uh, is a result of a legacy of redlining. Um, from 1934 to 1962, 98% of FHA loans went to white people. So that's nearly 30 years, three decades, when the government was making sure that people were moving and you know populating city centers and so forth. 98% of that went to white folks. And of course, black people were redlined out of those loans and could not get, get loans for their neighborhoods, couldn't sell, depress the, popu uh, the property values, et cetera. So there's this massive transfer of wealth to white people, right? And black people did not benefit from that. There was Asian people who did and so forth, but for the most part, black people could not participate. Um, black homes continue to be undervalued this day, regardless of the neighborhood. You know, if you if I own a home and an appraiser comes and sees that I'm live there with my black face, and my Afro and my black children, <laughs> my house is going to be worth less. We've covered stories like this as well. Um, how that's a thing is a real thing. Um, there's um, discrimination in the. Uh, married versus single filings, uh, folks able to take take advantage of capital gains benefits, it disproportionately benefits white folks. Uh, 401ks, uh, loan interest deductions. As you know, black people pay higher interest with equal credit worthiness. So, um, there's, there's all this stuff that's kind of baked into the tax code and external forces that indeed influence outcomes as well. And on top of that, um, we're talking about how black people are audited at a higher rate and we make up less of the population. And so, um, there's a lot to look at here. Even if we have all of our ducks in a row and all of our business lined up the way that it needs to be, we're still going to ultimately, based on this, the data here, 
pay more in taxes, can't take advantage of tax breaks. And there's a, a continuance of this transfer of wealth to white people in this country. And so this is an interesting thing to, to keep track of. One of the, the suggested, um, uh, fixes to this is to, uh, have the IRS publish tax data by race. Because right now they don't keep track of race. So publishing tax data by race will help kind of more easily expose discriminatory tax uh, policies and tax laws and so forth. So um, everyone listening, let's push for that. Right. Moving on. uh, Other news in Florida. Governor Ron DeSantis has officially defunded DEI programs at all state universities, uh, referring to DEI programs as, quote, a distraction from the core mission. He has some other quotes too, but that's the one we're leaning into right now. Ray, uh, you not only cover Florida for the Black Information Network, but you also live there. Why don't you start us off with some more details on this story and then Natasha will follow up with you. For the past 60 days, Mm. uh, lawmakers throughout the state of Florida have been meeting in Tallahassee and they have passed more than 40 laws in 60 days. I'll get to the underlying message as a result of that in just a moment. But DEI has been focused on uh, on behalf of Ron DeSantis. That's really one of his standing points uh, as being governor in the Sunshine State. Uh, he is all against inclusion and talking about discrimination or or certain subjects in the classroom, which includes uh, uh, history. He wants to put a cap or an edit, so to speak, on all of these things. It's unfortunate that he's gotten numerous laws that are related to this particular law passed in an effort to stop teachers from teaching about certain subjects. Um, to stop things from being addressed in public places throughout the state of Florida. Uh, The underlying message to that, he has yet to announce that he's running for president of your United States, and he wants to take his message nationally on a global scale and influence not only the United States, but other countries to do the same. So it's going to be interesting to see how his uh, campaign turns out once it gets started. But this is just a a, a small piece of what Ron DeSantis and his Republican counterparts in the state of Florida stand for. Mm -hmm. Uh, Right now, as a result of the polls, even Trump is ahead of DeSantis in percentage points by 30 plus points at according to the last poll but it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of the country responds to this as DeSantis uh, announces that he's running for president and we'll see how that uh, unfolds in the Re- Republican Party sure sure Natasha let's get your thoughts well we know that defunding DEI efforts 
you know, can have a significant impact on the ability of organizations, government officials, I mean, governments and schools and everybody else to promote diversity and inclusion in all aspects of society. So when we think about this, you know, we're talking about the efforts that he will put into place that have been put into place to impede the progress that we've made so far as far as diversity, inclusion and equity. So, you know, is he what is he doing with this? He's sending a message that maybe the government does not um, prioritize or promote or want to do better as far as including diverse populations and understanding the, the wider societal implications of having diverse voices. So it, it just goes well beyond just your basic, okay, we're passing this law, but it sends down, it sends a serious message that, you know, what you say, what you do, your different lifestyle, your different culture, it doesn't matter. And so I think that's the scarier part of this, that it means so much more than just, you know, this basic law that he has. Okay, I want things to just be, you know, one shade, one color. We're just going to just everyone's the same. We know that everyone's not the same. So to do this, you know, and put this out there, you know, as far as, you know, a law basically is a bigger statement than ever. And it has wide ranging ramifications. Sure, sure. I think that there's something um, interesting about this battlefront, and that's that on our side, I'm, I'm assuming that all three of us kind of see the world more or less the same way through a decidedly black lens. On our side of things, we see this as a clear attack on blackness. Um, our identity, our right to exist, to be appreciated, to be valued, and um, an attack on our capacity to learn about ourselves and what we're capable of, where we come from, and understand our station in life so that we can um, be better prepared for a prosperous future. And indeed, this has a similar effect on our non-black allies so that they can learn, become more empathetic, etc. So we see this, these type of programs for what they are. But on the right, the far right, uh, such as in Ron DeSantis's case, they've co-opted that very narrative for their followers. And so they look at the defunding of DEI programs as a way to equalize the classrooms. Everybody is the same. Nobody should feel bad about what happened in the past. Nobody's responsible for that. Everyone's born with the same rights and access and opportunities as everyone else. And DEI programs are in and of themselves discriminatory. And so because they've co-opted that narrative and peddled that to their followers, and, and because we are far from communicating in this country and sharing ideas. You would think with all the social media and, you know, stuff that we have in a modern world that we would collaborate more, but with algorithms kind of deciding what we get to see, we're, we end up being more siloed than ever in terms of how we get our information. And so they think, and some know that they're not doing the right thing. Some know exactly what they're doing, but they don't care. But the people that are just kind of in the middle like I, I have a gardener friend of mine who thinks that Ron DeSantis and indeed these programs are wonderful. 
And he doesn't realize that they center white children. That's the only children who benefit from from these programs. And I, I wouldn't even say they benefit, but the narrative that they're trying to peddle is that children will benefit. The word they're leaving out is white children, right? Um, so this gardener friend that I know, he's a sweetheart of a man. Without having access to additional information, he thinks this Ron DeSantis guy is a good guy. He really cares about kids. He wants to make sure that kids aren't discriminated against in the classroom. And that's what he's fighting for. When, again, on our side, we realize it's the opposite. And because he's co-opted the narrative and can pull on the heartstrings and indeed starting with schools and, and kind of putting the magnifying lens on schools because that moves the conversation along better than corporate DEI programs, et cetera. Um, he's, he's co-opted this narrative and can peddle this to, um, his base and no one sees anything wrong with it. And indeed, this is how this sort of racism continues in this country, because a lot of times white people that support policies like this don't know that they're racist because they've been repackaged for their ears and their sensibilities to seem as though they're doing the right thing. And it's, it's very disheartening, but one little beacon of hope that I came across is that there's a very tiny liberal arts school in uh, Florida called New College of Florida. And um, because of the recent changes in Florida, um, their uh, graduation speaker, I, I believe I have this right, but their graduation speaker was a former Donald Trump advisor, just to make sure that the students didn't get any diversity or any, any, uh, any sort of speaker that would empower them to go out and impact the world for people that didn't look like them, right? So the kid, so the students rather are boycotting their graduation ceremony. They've raised over a hundred thousand dollars to get an alter an alternate speaker. Um and this is a black woman named Maya Wiley. And she's going to be their um, graduation speaker. She's going to get paid and they're going to have security. They've got a facility. So they're going to boycott their school's graduation and have their own in the name of bona fide diversity, equity and inclusion. And this is a slap in the face to Ron DeSantis and everything he stands for. And I say to these students, bravo. And Rams, it's going to be very interesting. Once this steps out of Florida and DeSantis says, hey, I'm running for president. And this goes to the national scale. You'll see his platform on where he stands with issues. And once this goes nationally, it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of the country picks up on this and how the rest of the country reacts and how they respond to him as a candidate for the presidency of the United States. Oh, it's a trial balloon. Absolutely. I mean, that's what, you know, he's putting it out there, you know, almost uh, in a survey test type situation. It worked here. It can work here. It can work everywhere. Black Autistic and Safe, a four-part series examining the concerns Black parents and health advocates share at the intersection of law enforcement and people on the autism spectrum. Catch Black Autistic and Safe with news anchor Esther Dillard exclusively on the Black Information Network. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger. 
Talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com B-I-N today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot B-I-N. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Work. Black Information Network news anchors Natasha Williams and Ray Harris are here with us discussing this week's major stories. All right. A New York City hospital worker now being referred to as Hospital Karen been put on leave after a video surfaced of her attempting to hijack a black man's reserved bike by crying for help and painting him as a threat to onlookers at the scene. I think she also mentioned that he was like hurting her fetus or something like that, too. Uh, Natasha, please tell us more about this hilarious story. And Ray, um, of course, we're going to follow up with your thoughts as well. I had to look at it over and over. It, it, it's not, it, I really did because I, I wanted to get into the nuances of what she was saying as yeah. they, were, they were recording from all angles and they were very smart and shrewd in doing that because, you know, we cry this Karen, these Karens cry this thing like um, someone's hurting me. Oh, you're touching me. You touch my arm. Help. So yeah. it, it's just like a repeat of what we've seen over and over again. And unfortunately, and fortunately, there have been cases where uh, in these situations, uh, these folks have lost their jobs. They've been uh, sued. Uh, 
you know, monetary gain has been, you know, put forth for the people who have been put in a bad situation. You know, you call the police. We don't want to call the police, you know, as a black individual. We don't want that police officer to come and see some woman, uh, white woman screaming. Never. So, uh, yeah, it, it's a. Uh, it's a bad situation, but and they it's know that. Surprising. Oh. Yeah. And they know that. That's why they that's their go to. Right. Um, but it's not surprising at all. It, it just seems that like, you know, they need to come up with a new playbook. I mean, because we've kind of got the the dibs on this one. And so now we're recording and we're letting them know that, you know, we are on to what you're doing. Um, we're going to record it from all angles. And so where there may be initially some consternation you know, we plan to fight back. And I think that's the good thing about this, that they stood their ground, uh, recorded it from all angles and let them let the let the public see who she is. And I love how also I, this is the, the, the best part. You know, we talk about social media and all the ills of social media. I love how social media now has decided that, hey, we're looking for this chick. Do you know who she is? Yeah, <laughs> we, we're trying to find her because, uh, you know, uh, this is what she did. Take a look at this again. Does this make you angry? You know, find out who she is. We want that. You know, we want her company to know how she's acting crazy like this, yeah. you know, how she's doing this. And I, I love that aspect of it. But I mean, not at all surprising. You know, I feel like we see one of these, you know, once a week, every two weeks, you know, where someone has decided that their privilege should allow them to be by themselves or walk on a street by themselves or, you know, take over a whole park or do whatever they want to do. And we're not allowed, you know, as free and uh, citizens to do what we want to do as well in these public places. Uh, Ray, let's get your thoughts, too. Just think uh, where we were without the camera phones <laughs> and closed circuit cameras and how many cases where people have gotten away sure or beat down because of this it's you know <laughs> social media gets a, a a bad rap but hey <laughs> in, in, a, in a lot of cases you know it, it exposes a lot of things sure and you know what's what's kind of um, interesting about what you said is that for this show and especially for um, Civic Cipher, again, my radio show, I spend a lot of times in far right chat rooms and message forums and racist, bona fide racist chat room message, message forums. And a lot of people on that side um have this idea that black people have this victim mentality. We're the victims and we don't want to do anything and we're lazy and we have no history and all this sort of weird stuff. Right. And the fact is, as you mentioned, historically, these things have happened to us. Um, and it wasn't until we started recording it that we started being able to tell our version of the story like here's what actually happened here's the video you know you can see that we did not harm this woman or her fetus she uh, uh approached us you know I, I here's the phone here's the receipt i reserved this bike here's the serial number everything is there and she's uh playing the victim here when indeed i am you know and these phones came when they came, but, you know, in terms of kind of beating that narrative of black people are always the victims and blah, blah, blah. It came kind of late because this had been happening since the beginning of black people in this country. And so there's been plenty of time for these ignorant uh, 
racist people to uh, chronicle this narrative for themselves and among themselves. And now that we have this proof, they're so far gone. Now that we're able to tell our versions of the stories, they're so far gone that these things don't even make it to them. But um, the more we expose them and the more that we do use social media, at least the folks that are kind of in the middle um, can see these small glimpses into black life. And I think that's not nothing. So I'm appreciative because even though this Karen was in the wrong, it didn't result in a loss of life. It didn't result in any arrest. It didn't result in any harm to anyone, not even her. Because I do believe that she can learn. I believe people have the right to make a mistake. And everyone can learn from this. And so I'm glad it happened. Because again, it gives a, a, a small glimpse into black life. And I think we need more of that just so that we understand each other a little bit better. Now, finally, to close things out, I know you both are big sports fans. I famously am not, but I do know about this story. Let's get your thoughts on NBA star Ja Morant's latest controversy. Ray, let's start with you. Ramses, let me throw out a uh, disclaimer because this is a developing story. Mm -hmm. uh, there are a lot of components that need to come together uh, before uh, the story is really flushed out. So mm -hmm. today is the 18th of May as we record this podcast. There has not been any punishment on behalf of the National Basketball Association being held against John Morant. Mm -hmm. um, there are also several investigations that led up to this particular situation um, of Morant posing with guns on social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, a very popular player, Shaquille O'Neal, made a very interesting point in regards to going live on social media from a technical standpoint. You have to hit accept, record, accept live. You have to hit at least four different confirmations to go live on social media. Mm -hmm. What I hear often from numerous NBA players and sports figures, uh, celebrities. This is all self-inflicted from these two incidents. Now, the other incidents that are under investigation are not in se not self-inflicted, but uh, many believe that uh, this is going to lead up to part of um, a huge suspension for John Moran. Yeah. We're talking millions of dollars that are on the table here. And I can foresee a lot of it being wiped off the table. Yeah. Not because he's a black man, because this is a business linked to an aggression of conduct that was violated uh, due to... Um, his agreement that he made with the NBA. by his private employer yeah. being the NBA. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see how it flushes out, but everybody's talking about it. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. And everybody has an opinion, you know, everybody has an attitude and everybody has an opinion about it. Absolutely. But this also exposes John. Uh, 
John a different light because it exposes a bigger problem that this country has. And that's with the fascination of guns. We're currently being looked at by other countries and people are literally laughing as we kill our children, as our children kill our children, as our government officials and high, high profile athletes expose and show something that uh, we think is cool. But under other countries, they think we're crazy. And we all need to be locked up. <laughs> I don't know how wrong so, they are. It's an unfortunate situation, but we'll see what happens. Sure. We'll see what happens. Sure. Sure. Natasha, let's, let's get your thoughts. Can I speak as a mama? Uh, Please. You know, for a moment, you know, yeah. mother sure. of two, just wonderful young black men. Okay. Um, but where is his mama? <laughs> where, where, look, look, where is someone who's saying, Look here, boy, do you not understand the blessing that you've had, the, the, the gifts that you're given? You know, what are you doing? Why are you playing with guns? And you know, you have this image clause. I mean, where's where are the grownups in his life? We know his boys are there egging him on or obviously not helping him in any way by, you know, no, man, don't put that on, you know, whatever there's, they need to say. But where are the adults? Where where's the dad, the mom, the auntie, somebody saying, look, um, don't do that again. You know, you're going to mess all of this up. You know, you've been given this wonderful gift, you know, and you need to use it in a positive way. Where is where's that person? Sure. I just when I see these situations, it drives me crazy because, you know, I would have been that mom that would probably be in jail because I've been like, look, <laughs> you know, I, I um, Jaws 23. But, you know, I decided that I just had to, you know, knock some sense into his head and they found me in front of the house just beating him. You know, and, you know I mean, so it just drives me crazy that there's not an adult in the in these situations, particularly when it's repeated over yeah. and over again, that yeah. someone isn't saying, hey, do you know what you're doing? Do you know what you did the last time? Do you know what's going to happen if you do that again? Is there not someone who can register that? Or are we all so caught up with the fame of these children? Because he's a child. He's acting like a child sure. that we just can't even get in his ear. Because I, I haven't I haven't met a, a, a relative or, or someone who, if I have an opinion about something and I know that I'm right about it, that I can't say, dude, you know, that makes no sense, right? You know that that is going to get you in trouble. I mean, where is that person, even the neighbor, somebody who can say, uh, man, hey, don't don't get caught up in this. This is what they want us to do. This is how they want us to act. Where is that person is what I'm asking as a mama. Where is that person? Well, you know, the, the uh, interesting thing is. He has both his parents and he has. Uh, supposedly has a support system in place. Um, he, has, he comes from a middle right. class up. He comes from a middle class upbringing. Exactly. What I understand, went to a private school, went to a smaller little college. So it's not like this. These city influences are pulling him in because you know he's been he grew up in the hood. No, there's no. He has no reins. He has no bridle, and that's that troubles me. Sure, sure. Well, the thing about Ja is, I think you 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 hit the nail on the head. Um, He's he's a, he's an adult. He is, but he's acting like a child. Absolutely. 
hundred percent. And, you know, speaking from that mama perspective, you're well within your rights to say that to him. And I appreciate you saying that to him because it's something that I think we need to um, be mindful of in this situation. Uh, but there's a degree of personal responsibility that kind of comes into play here. And, you know, there's a lot of, you know, I've seen some things online. And in fact, um, you know, uh, we were talking about it before we started recording that there's other people who've posed with guns and that's okay with politicians, other athletes, you know, this is, this is all well and good. Right. Um, and then when John ja Morant does it, it's a problem. You know, people take issue with it. So, uh, you know, those, you know, on their face sound like great arguments uh, to suggest that he's not being treated fairly until you adopt that black mama perspective. Now, I'm one of those people that for a short time actually lived with my birth mother. And I remember once upon a time at uh, school I was going to, we had this, this thing we used to do. We used to throw pennies, right? Once you got a little older in the school, you'd throw pennies. I don't know why. It was just the thing that we did. And uh, this was, let's say, frowned upon by the teachers, right? So one day, we're all throwing pennies, and I get hemmed up, right? So now this lady has to come to school. She has to deal with the administrators, so forth and so on. They're talking about punishing me. And she said something. I'll never forget it. And, she, you know, I was telling her, I was like, listen, we were all doing it. I'm new here. This, you know, I just was, that's what we were doing. And she said, Ramses, you are black. To these people, you are a black man. The rules are not the same for you. And then that always stayed with me. So that's one thing. That's the black mama perspective. But I'd like to offer an another, another perspective too. Ja initially came under scrutiny by the NBA because there is a policy that says that you cannot have a gun while traveling. And because he was in Colorado with a gun that I think he said didn't belong to him or something like that. Um, and, and correct me if I'm wrong about this because I'm not the biggest sports person, but you know, kind of have a vague recollection of covering the story. Um, you know, the NBA handed down their suspension uh, because he was in possession of a firearm while he was on an away game in Colorado. And a part of his um, apology and a part of his kind of renewed commitment to the NBA was that he was going to, you know, fix things. He was going to do the work. He was going to make sure that he wasn't misrepresenting who he was or his people or being mindful of the image that he wanted to put out. So now this specific incident that has gotten a much higher profile than other people taking pictures with, you know, their families or whatever, at least insofar as the NBA is concerned. Now this incident is unique, right? It started off unique because you're not supposed to have a gun while traveling. You got one in your house, take a picture with it. Nobody's nobody can say anything. Then you can compare this person to that person or whatever else. It's a much different conversation at that point. But once you've uh, come under scrutiny and you've committed to resolving that and you understand that you're representing, you know, the National Basketball Association, you realize what's at stake, et cetera, et cetera. And then you do the same thing again. 
you are posing with a gun and, you know, misrepresenting what the, the league believes an athlete should be. Um, after, on, on the other side of that initial infraction, you have to accept responsibility for it. And I, I'm all about, you know, making sure that everything is fair, right? But I'm also all about personal accountability and personal responsibility. Make no mistake, I am a black man, but before anything else, I am a man. And this is the way that I see the world. This is the way that I raised my sons. And I believe that John Morant needs to learn that lesson. And so whatever comes next, my hope is that it will not be permanent and that he will finally learn his lesson. And indeed, everyone else will learn from this as well. So as always, I'd like to thank you both for your insight into these crazy stories in this crazy world. You guys are both uh, so much fun to have on and I can't wait until we do it again. Once again, today's guests are Black Information Network news anchors, Natasha Williams and Ray Harris. This has been a production of the Black Information Network. Today's show was produced by Chris Thompson. Have some thoughts you'd like to share? Use the red microphone talkback feature on the iHeartRadio app. While you're there, be sure to hit subscribe and download all of our episodes. I'm your host, Ramses Ja, on all social media, and I'll be hosting another episode of Civic Cipher this weekend on a station near you. For stations, showtimes, and podcast info, check civiccipher.com. And join us Monday as we share our news with our voice from our perspective, right here on the Black Information Network Daily Podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right.